Support for this podcast is provided by That Cast Creative. Brand your business and connect with your audience by creating a custom podcast. Learn more at thatcast.com. Want to advertise on this podcast or one like it and reach a targeted and engaged audience? Go to thatcast.com to start reaching our audience. That Cast Network presents The Beaver Buzz, a look inside Oregon State Athletics with your host, Bob Lundeberg. Welcome, everybody, to the Beaver Buzz podcast, part of the That Cast Podcast Network. This is your host, Bob Lundeberg, and I've got a very, very special show for you guys today. I plan on talking some Oregon State football recruiting later on in the show because Jonathan Smith and staff have have just got things rolling right now on the recruiting front, but before we do that, we're going to speak with the new face of Oregon State baseball, head coach Mitch Canham. Just to give a, a little background for you guys, Mitch was Oregon State starting catcher from 2005 to 2007 as the Beavers won back-to-back College World Series titles. He was then drafted 57th overall by the San Diego Padres in 2007 and played nine seasons of pro ball before transitioning to coaching. He was formally introduced as Pat Casey's successor on June 14th. Obviously, it's been a whirlwind of a month for Canham, who was nice enough to sit down with me in his office this week. We didn't get into any real specifics uh, with regards to next year's team, just because, I mean, he has yet to even hold a formal team meeting since so many of the returning players are currently involved with summer ball right now. But trust me, I, I think you guys will thoroughly enjoy this conversation. We we hit on a lot of different things, and we even survived a, a technical glitch right in the middle when my computer uh, decided to freeze up and, and i can safely say if mitch handles a tough game a tough in-game situation even close to as well as he dealt with these tech issues i, I think oregon state baseball is going to be in pretty good hands moving forward one quick thing uh, before we get to mitch just wanted to thank all of you uh, again for listening to the beaver buzz podcast part of the that cast podcast network you can find us on a variety of platforms including itunes and spotify please rate review and subscribe if you haven't already and if you have uh, thank you thank you very much time to take a quick break and then we'll hear from oregon state head baseball coach mitch canham Anna Canzano hosts That Expert Show, the show you help run. Hear the top experts on a variety of topics interviewed by a top journalist. Find That Expert Show and other shows on the ThatCast Network. Visit ThatCast.com. From Guild Coliseum to Research Stadium, it's the Beaver Buzz with Bob Lundeberg. All right, well, we're back here on the Beaver Buzz podcast with new Oregon State head baseball coach Mitch Canham. Mitch, have you uh, have you gotten used to hearing that yet, uh, head baseball <laughs> coach at Oregon State? Running around town, I, I hear a lot of people uh, calling me coach, and not not used to that in, in professional baseball. They they usually just call me Mitch, and uh, but I I love I love the sound of it. Excited to be here, and um, you know, excited to teach. So, what exactly has your life been like? this past month then because I've already talked about this on the show but you know I was one of the many people out there that thought Pat Casey would be returning as head coach obviously that did not happen and then you were named head coach here at Oregon State just about a week after Casey's announcement so if you can kind of recap what exactly this entire month of June has been like for you well um, (laughs) it's essentially (laughs) 
it, it was quick. Everything, I mean, it's been a whirlwind, no doubt about it. Um, not too long ago, I was sitting on a bus trip in the Texas League, uh, jumping from Tulsa to Little Rock, Arkansas, to Springfield, to wherever, and um, playing games every day, uh, preparing for, you know, to, to go out and, and win in the Texas League and develop professional athletes um, as men and, and also as as athletes. And, you know, it was at once, once we found out that case, um, wasn't going to be coming back, you know, is, is always something ever since I was, uh, a student athlete here is man, this, this is home. This, I want to be here forever. And, you know, I went out, uh, had an opportunity to go play professionally for a handful of years and start the jumping into the coaching realm. And I love it. I love, I mean, as much as I've, I love playing baseball, the teaching side of it and pouring into others, the organization, I, I, I like it even more. And um, I would say that that quick transition, you know, uh, submitting to submitting the application and, and coming out and interviewing, um, you know, I, I've been through it a few times uh, at the professional level with, with other teams, but you know, so it, it, it kind of helped prepare me for what could happen, what could be coming. Um, but, you know, once once I was told that uh, or asked if I wanted to be the next head coach, I my dad was there. My best friend since fifth grade was there. Uh, they came down and surprised me once they knew I was coming back to the West Coast. And I, I haven't had this smile off my face yet. It's been amazing. Well, during your introductory presser, and I must say you were rocking a very, very sharp Navy suit. My fiance <laughs> loved it. But uh, you talked about how you, you first thought of becoming Oregon State's head coach, like you said, all the way back to really the first time you kind of stepped on campus. I guess what what drew you to the program and this community just so rapidly from all the way back in 2002, I believe, is the, the year you brought up? Well, the first person I met when I stepped on campus um, the summer before my freshman year was Jess Lewis. Um, and so I, I already met the coaching staff, you know, Case and Spence and, and Lees, and loved them, you know, uh, loved the work ethic, loved their, their vision. And then when I met Jess Lewis and did work study, taking care of the fields and everything, um, I was inspired. You know, I'm picking up a 100-pound bag of, of sand with one of the wrestlers that was out there with me, and Jess comes up and grabs one in his left hand, the other one in his right hand. I mean, he's a bear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we're over there going two guys to a bag, and he's just picking them up one by one, hucking them, hucking them up in the back of the gator himself. And uh, I, just watched, I just watched him and listened to him. And I, I, I wanted to know what, what was so special about, about this man. But he, he, the way he led, the way he cared about um, the people and how he spoke about others, um, you know, it was something that I was like, I want to, I want to possess that as well. And the people going around town, uh, you know, they're they're very welcoming. The the ability to go right down the road and see the ocean, or jump on the Alsea or the Salets, or you know, there's there's rivers all over the place. This is beautiful. This place is pure beauty, and ease of getting around like when the spring when spring hits and you get a sunny day everyone's outside and it's refreshing so you get to see all the seasons um but everyone everyone here ever since i've stepped on campus in 
um, 03, everyone has been like open to help, whether it's the um, the faculty, you know, one of my any any professor I've ever had, or um, anyone here in in the administration on the athletic side has been phenomenal. And it's just like we keep bringing in amazing people and. Um, then you, I haven't even brought up the baseball program, you <laughs> yeah. <know>? like, <laughs> and, and everything that, that case and the rest of the coaching staff and, you know, the alumni have, have built over the years and the community. I mean, there's so many people that goes into it, but they've done a, such an amazing job. You can't help it. Once you get to put on that uniform, you, you want to do it for the rest of your life. So the the day after Oregon State was eliminated from the 2017 College World Series, I actually had the opportunity to drive down to Kansas City from Omaha and sit down with Darman and Barney down, down there at Kauffman Stadium. And we talked about a lot of different things. But one of those was the beginning stages of all of this, what Pat Casey was building here at Oregon State. And he was talking about how he could see all the pieces starting to kind of come together really at a pretty early time. Not necessarily from when he was in high school, but once he stepped foot on campus, he just saw the type of talent and the type of guys that Pat Casey had brought in. I guess for you, when what was the point when it clicked for you that, hey, Coach Casey and the staff and everything, they are really starting to build something very, very special in terms of a baseball program here at Oregon Oregon State. I saw it as soon as I stepped on. Um, well, I was on. I was playing a tournament down here uh, after my my junior year in the summer, and um, the team had asked me to come down and play first base, which I had never done before. <laughs> but I was like, I get to play baseball, I'm in. And um, I came down, talked to Dan Spencer, and then I got to meet Coach Casey. And then looking at their work ethic. And you can see in their eyes how much they wanted to go out and compete, and also that that they cared about us as human beings. You know, every time I've ever talked to Case, you know, it, he relates back to what they're doing post baseball, or you know, what type of people they are, type of husbands they are, and 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 fathers, um, how they're being successful in their their day to day work life, like. That and it's genuine and it it it's it's different. So once you know, like when you're not worried about the W's and L's and you're focused on people and the process you go about your work, which is, you know, we're we're competitive. I mean, in practice, in the in, in the weight room, on the field, in, in the classroom, um, when game day comes around, it's competitive. I mean, even if you're playing a game of pool with them in the in the uh, in the other in the rec room or whatever they have you know it's like everyone's competitive and they do it together it's it's a family environment you feel like you're with your brothers so when when you get that combination when you start thinking and just the feelings are overwhelming that yo this is this is a family that was the big change and i definitely felt that um slowly progressing when i first got here but especially my um my second year here you could you could see it right away. Just welcoming people. It was a rarity when you walk next to someone not to give them a hug. You know, bring them in close and let them know how you feel. So 2005, 2006, 2007, all three teams made the College World Series. The last two won national titles. Let's say those teams played each other in some type of you know fictional best of three <laughs> series. Who comes out on top between those three teams? Can you actually say which one of those three teams do you think would come out on top? Ooh, all, all three. <laughs> I mean, 05, they had some tough 
guys. Every every year was so different, but we all possessed a, a similar piece where uh, the togetherness was was strong. You cared about the guy to left, to the right, in front, behind. Didn't matter what your position was. You cared about everyone who was over there with you. Um, I, I could tell you, there's, there's, if there, if each of those teams are competing against the other two, and there's a, a three-way series going on, there's going to be some teeth missing. <laughs> there's going to be some blood drawn. There, I mean, it's going to be competitive, and it's going to go. It would go, you know, more than just the game itself. I, I couldn't tell you who would win, <laughs> but I know that uh, at the end of it, there'd be some, some bruises, <laughs> and there would also be um, picking the guy up, you know across from him so it's, it's kind of like uh, watching wrestling you you go up there and these guys all want to be the best that they can possibly be individually but they know they have to do their best to help the team win and if you watch some of their practices which I, I really love to do um, you know they're they're beating on each other you know elbows head head butts um, <laughs> and working each other and then all of a sudden they're helping each other up or they're pushing each other to get better. You can only be as good as the people you surround yourself by. And um, I, I think with those three teams playing each other, whew, that'd be tough. <laughs> so after all the success at Oregon State, you were then drafted by the San Diego Padres, played professional baseball for nearly a decade. During that time when you were in pro ball as a player, was it always in the back of your mind that, that coaching was something that, that probably was going to be in your future? Was that something you were actively thinking about while you were still playing? Um, probably towards the last couple okay. of years. <laughs> so I, you know, at the yeah. time, I believe in being present and uh, focusing on the task at hand. You know, you always like think down the you should think down the road build your one five ten year plan mm -hmm. um and actually i had started up a um a company uh, a mentorship program it's a tra training facility for athletes and you know i, I knew i loved to teach i knew i wanted to help the future leaders um help develop them and i liked working with high school and collegiate student athletes i like working with that age group i like working with um, you know, professional athletes as well, I, I learned. But I didn't know it was going to necessarily turn into, you know, coaching in college or the professional level. I thought staying more locally. I mean, that's why I love this situation right here is I'm home in the Northwest. I'm, I'm a part of uh, a program that turned me into the, the man I am today. And I don't think I would have the family that I have today if not for this program and the people involved. I don't think that um, I would, I would be in any way, shape, or form in this situation. It, I mean, they, the people here helped pull me through a lot of hard times, and showed me uh, by example and care uh, how to go about being a strong man uh, and a man of faith. And um, I, th I think once you start getting phone calls saying, "Hey, are you ready to start coaching yet?" Then you know your career is starting <laughs> to wind down a little bit. Like, why do I keep getting these calls? Why are they not, why are they not calling me to come catch and hit for them? <laughs> and so, you know, you start 
you start understanding what's happening. Yeah, I mean, your love for Oregon State is obvious, and your desire to come back, very understandable. It's clear. But, I mean, you were managing AA in Arkansas at age 34, seemingly on a track to just keep moving up there in the professional baseball ranks. I guess it, it had to have been a difficult decision, right, to, to leave in the middle of the season and come back here. I mean, I, you, again, I can tell how much you love being here and how important this is to you. But but it's not like that was just some easy decision, right? I mean, that was that was tough. Well, I'll tell you this much. To be here right now, that's easy. Like, that was the easy decision, no doubt about it. Like, what, which one do I want to do? And it, having this opportunity, I wanted to be here. Um, but I, I grew up north of Seattle, and I was been a Mariner fan since I was born. And my mom had collected all the newspaper articles from 95, Every day at seven o'clock, we were sitting in front of the TV, the radio, listening to the games and watching and falling in love, mimicking the the stances and <laughs> you know, uh, watching Norm Charlton from the left side, Dan Wilson and Alvin Davis, and then I get to go have a locker in spring training next to Alvin Davis and Dan Wilson, and you know, this year Mike Cameron, uh, you know, joins the organization as well, so he's come in a few times. I mean, I get to work with. Mariner greats and getting to talk with Griffey and Buner and uh, guys that I grew up idolizing and help. I, I know what what having a successful, you know, uh, Mariners organization or or Seahawks or what the Sonics did back in '96. What that does for the Northwest, and you know, it kept me out of trouble every night watching those games with my best friend and my dad and my brother. You know, and that's. Like that was part of my where my heart was at coaching with the Mariners was that wherever we're at, any level that we're at, even the minor leagues, like we can help change people's lives that, that aren't even close to us right now. Because eventually if these guys go back to their communities, if they make it to the big leagues, or we want them to be prepared for that platform and, and, and show people how to live right and inspire. Um, and the Mariners organization, I mean – I, I even told him, I said, that I, there's only one other place that I would be rather than here, and that's at Oregon State. But I said, any other team come around, like, all I want to do is be a Mariner, okay, except if Oregon <laughs> State comes around. And they knew that, and they were extremely supportive of it. Um, I actually got a phone call from, from Jerry DePoto yesterday, and, um, you know, he was he, he was awesome. He, he pushed us. Um, he he communicated extremely well with us and let us know what was going on the direction um, I love the stuff that we were doing in that organization uh, building a strong culture much of the um, the teacher that I am today is because of like what I what I experienced here what I learned to do and not to do at the professional level playing but really what the Mariners organization Andy McKay is a huge mentor of mine that um, taught me about the learning process and and how to implement these things and be organized so I couldn't be more grateful for everything they had done it was hard to um, talk to the team and say goodbye and I made sure like I, I want everyone in that organization to know how much I love them and that how much they meant to me and my family um, and but you know this was this was a, 
100% got it, want to be here more than anything. Throughout this entire process then for you, how, how meaningful has it been to have such support from Pat Casey? Because, you know, during the introductory press conference, I kept finding myself looking back uh, up top, just watching Case, what he was doing. And he was looking at you with those eyes of just, it seemed like he was some type of proud papa. So I mean, what, what's, what's it kind of like uh, just been, been having such support from Pat Casey throughout all of this? Oh, well... Case the, the the eyes you saw and I saw Case giving, like I've also seen those eyes to all the alumni. I mean, Case is, is so proud of each and every one of us. I mean, he cares about everybody that has been through this program and everyone involved in it. So I've seen him, you know, as he's looking at uh, Paul Ritchie coming back and sees him and his family, and he's he's looking at Jake Quiring. He's looking at uh, Matty Boyd, you know, it doesn't matter who they are, like who they are, or what they're doing. He's proud of each and every one of them, and he loves them to death, and would do anything for any of us. Um, but it, it it did mean a lot looking up and and seeing him and and understanding. I'm looking at a, a father figure, not a coach, like as a a father figure, and to to be able to have the opportunity to learn as much as I did from him and continue to learn so much from him. Um, you know, to have, I just, I just pray that I can, um, continue to seek wisdom and strength to do the right thing and, and, and help, um, each and every person be present with each and every person that, uh, I get to meet and, and interact with. And that just comes from constant learning in case, yeah, he, he's sharp. I mean, he, he remembers. You could sit there and talk baseball with him, and he could tell you about a game from, you know, five years ago, 10 years ago, 15, 20 years ago, and rattle off the sequence of events that happened on a specific inning. And, um, you know, it's it's because he's so present and he cares so much that it's in there. He's not just go, he, he never going through the motions. He do, If he does something, he does it with purpose. And so... You know, to have him, him there, and, and look up, I, you know, is def- that's why it's so emotional because you care so much. You know, I, I, I would assume that every head coach would want to put their own staff of assistants together once they take over a head coaching job. But you know, you decide to retain Nate Yeski, Pat Bailey, and former teammate Ryan Gibson uh, moving forward. So I guess, you know, this might be an obvious question, but what made you decide to keep the staff intact as much as possible? Well, Nate and Bales are amazing, and like I've I've had a, a personal relationship with them ever since they got here. Um, respect the heck out of both of them, and and Gibby too. You know, um, they all work extremely hard. Um, they are beeves through and through, and the experience that they have, the network that they have. I mean the type of strong men that they are. I mean, I love the fact that I get to come in and see their faces each and every day, that we get to communicate more. Because, you know, before this, I'd still reach out and we'd we'd chat from time to time and I'd, you know, pick their brain about a guy or a situation that happens in the game or how to prepare at practice. you know, just two wonderful, wonderful people in, well, three wonderful people with, with Gippy and 
Um, you know, right now we're finishing, we're trying to finish up putting together the entirety of the staff from our mm -hmm. managers to our undergrads. And, um, you know, as that comes to fruition, I know we're going to be in a great place. We have great people. It's the people that you have and the process of which you go about your work. That's what we said in the Mariners organization all the time, people in process. And that is something that I'm extremely excited about here is walking through the door, you know, and, and seeing these faces come in and getting after it because I, I, I'm willing to bet few people work harder than, than these men that are I'm surrounded with right now. Is the value of those guys heightened due to the fact that, you know, you haven't been a college head coach before and you haven't gone through the rigors of what recruiting and balancing the 11.7 scholarships? Does, does that add to the value since those guys that we've been talking about have so much experience? Well, always. You want to surround yourself with, with people that can uh, challenge you and make you better. And I think that also goes to our relationship is, you know, being open and honest, building that, that trust factor. I mean, they're – I don't think there's anyone who's ever met um, many of the people involved in our in our program that have ever questioned their integrity or you know their ability to do the right thing. Um, their the network here is so strong. Their um, understanding of what and who Oregon State baseball is all about. Is, is very strong. Um, you know, that's one thing that we've, we've all talked about is, hey, I want you to challenge me. I want you to ask questions. I want you to, um, you know, anytime there's a learning moment, I'm going to ask a lot of questions. I want, I want to learn. You know, there's always a lot. I believe there's always something you don't know. And you got to um, pursue a little bit, a little bit more each and every day. You know, don't try to do it all at once, but gradually like that, that growth mindset, I guess, continue to get better each and every day. And I look forward to that. And I know that I can learn a ton from, from this staff. I know I can learn a ton from everyone in the athletic department and it's not scary. It's, it's fun. It's opportunity. And I look forward to that. I mean, ultimately with the way the numbers work there, there's just, there was only room for one spot, right? Between Ryan Gibson and Andy Jenkins, that, that must've been a, a pretty hard decision considering both their former teammates of yours, right? Yes. I, I love Andy Jenkins. I mean, I, I love him to death. He's an amazing. He's an amazing man. He's an amazing husband. He's an amazing father. Um, what he's done, uh, you can't say enough about him. I mean, he's he's gonna he's gonna be fine. He's gonna, uh, you know, find the right spot and continue to to teach because he's really good at teaching, and he cares. I mean, if you look what what he and Jake Quiring has done with our, our alumni. We didn't have any of that going on before and how they've built that group and our alum, alumni event every year is how oh, it's exciting. Everyone gets excited for it. As soon as the, the, the one ends, everyone's already juiced up for the one the following year and we stay in touch. We're using each other's networks um, and that couldn't have been done without, without Andy and Jake or, um, you know, remodeling of the, the alumni room or just, day-to-day -day operations that Andy bleeds orange and black more than anybody. And he cares so much about the program. He'll always care about, about this program in the university. Um, you know, unfortunately there's, there's not, there's not space. Um, and I, I, I just look forward to 
what what he what he does and where he goes and how he continues to to learn and teach. Like I said, what he's done with the guys he's worked with too here, he's put a, a tremendous influence on their lives as well. And you know he knows that we all know it, um, but he, he's a brother to me. I love him. Well, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, so I'll ask you just a couple questions, and we'll get you out of here. In terms of style of play, look, looking ahead, is Beaver baseball going to be, you know, resemble roughly the same thing in 2020? You know, I think one of the things maybe Case did, hasn't gotten enough credit for over the years is just getting the most out of the personnel that he always had from a year-to-year basis. Because you know, sometimes his teams were loaded with first-round picks, like we saw last year, but that wasn't always the case. He also found ways to win team with teams that maybe didn't have quite as much pro talent. So I guess just from the overall overarching style of play thing what what will do you think beaver baseball look like moving forward uh, i do believe it's going to be very similar as guys that understand um how to go out and compete each and every day clear head trust trust that you've done the work and go out and compete you know it's winning winning is a skill knowing how to win games is a skill and we have got to teach that in our our um, our practice, our off season is going to dictate a lot of what happens in season, how we work, how we continue to develop, how we maintain our strengths, um, and and understand who we are and what we can do. Getting the right personnel out there, being selfless and celebrating the success of others, because there are going to be times when people aren't playing. How do we handle that? Are are, are we are we out there for the the others around us, not just our like not ourselves? And if we can do that, if we can be completely selfless, which means, and being selfless means like being a little selfish when you are going after your work and, and what you're doing at night and getting some rest. Yeah, you're selfishly taking time to, to get rest and eat right and prepare yourself for the next day. But that's being selfless because you're bringing the best version of yourself out the next day. Um, so there's going to be a lot of education pieces, uh, a lot of accountability. Um, but when you see us play the game, we're going to play extremely hard. We're going to play extremely smart. We're going to be fundamental. But we're also going to have a lot of fun. Uh, it's important whenever you're doing something that's that's a value. Like, like why why work a job unless you don't really have joy in doing it? And this is this is my joy is to be here. And for the players, when you see them out there playing, you're going to see joy and genuine. Um, care for one another and celebrating the success of others. So I was talking with a few of the players last week, a couple of them who haven't actually met you face to face yet, just with the nature of summer ball and all that. And I could just tell there's a genuine sense of excitement. It seems like people are really, really just yeah, excitement's probably the best word moving forward, the direction things are going and people are ready to get after it. Have you picked up on that as well? Because, you know, coaching changes they're, they're They can sometimes be difficult. But to me, there are plenty of signs that for this one, it doesn't necessarily have to be that way. Yeah, you never know. I mean, this is the unknown for a lot of them. I've been around, like I, we come down the off season just because, uh, well, my dad's down here and my aunt and uncle are down here and you love coming down for the diamond dinner and the mm -hmm. alumni uh, weekend. But, um, you know, it, it can't, I bet, you know, a lot of a lot of players are like, oh, "What's happening?" Parents wondering what's what's going to happen. Who who is it? You know, not being from the Northwest or not knowing who I am, um, and it's my job to earn their trust, uh, to show them how much I really care, uh, and for us as a staff to to stay together and and do that and say, 
you know, how are we going to get better each and every day? And, and, you know, I have a lot of um, stuff that I've learned over the last few years, some, some new ideas that I, I, I want to incorporate. There's going to be a lot of familiarity. I mean, I was, I was bred from this program. It made me who I am today. So, yes, you will see a lot of those characteristics uh, that have are, are always been here continue to be here. Um, you know, I, I know I'm younger, and um, the, my energy level is extremely, extremely high, especially when I'm out there on the field. <laughs> and my wife does a good job of holding me accountable to that. Like we're here to to love the people we're with and uh, to enjoy life, um, be grateful for every opportunity we have. So, you know, yeah, it, it's been it's been nice. Like a lot, especially from the alumni, reaching out and and having conversations with them, expressing their excitement. You know, but I, I bet there's there's still a lot of people that are saying, "Hey, uh, show me." And so that's my job is to. Um, be prepared, plan ahead, and be present and go after it so I can earn everyone's trust. Final question then. So what's on the docket for you between now and when fall ball starts in September? Because, you know, August, normally a pretty dead time in college baseball, but will it be that way for you as a, as a first-year head coach here at Oregon State? Oh, we're going to go. We're going to go, <laughs> go, go. Um, well, it's, you know, um, communicating with the staff, really building a good vision. Like that's a big part of it is continuing to simplify our, our vision, what our goals are, building out the calendar, getting to know the players, spending time with them on the phone, uh, the, the current ones, um, the, the new ones coming in, getting out and recruiting, you know, finding the right fit to be a beaver. And um, that's going to be a big part of it too. I'm excited to get on the road, helping, you know, my family transition to move down here. We got to pack up the yeah. spot up in Washington, just came across the country from Little Rock, Arkansas, now getting settled in here. Um, but getting organized, like preparing the vision, communicating with our, our, our alum as well. Um, and because there's such a strong, a strong piece to, to the program, um, you know, and you want them to know like how special they were and why we're in the situation we're in is because of them. Um, but like, there's so, there's so much to learn. It's just, I'm, I try to stay very organized. I try to do creative things to stay organized mm -hmm. and it's just chipping away, but putting in, putting in quality time, not just showing up to sit in a desk or, or have a, a random conversation, being prepared for those conversations and, being genuine with them and continuing to progress each and every day. Mitch, thanks so much for taking the time to uh, sit down with me this morning. It was uh, it was an absolute pleasure. <laughs> thanks for having me on. I'm grateful. First podcast as Oregon State head coach? Uh, yes, it is. <laughs> Let them continue. For sure. Thanks again to uh, Mitch Cannon, new skipper of Oregon State baseball. I'm going to uh, take one last quick break here and then wrap up the show with a little football recruiting talk. Anna Canzano hosts That Expert Show the show you help run. Hear the top experts on a variety of topics interviewed by a top journalist. Find That Expert Show and other shows on the ThatCast Network. Visit ThatCast.com. From Guild Coliseum to Research Stadium, it's the Beaver Buzz with Bob Lundeberg. Okay, well, thanks again to Mitch Canham for uh, joining the show. It's, it's fitting that we're going to talk some football now because Mitch 
Mitch still looks like he could play strong safety for the Beavers, I think. He's doing pretty well for himself at age 34. And maybe maybe Jonathan Smith should check and see if, uh, if Mitch has any college eligibility left. But, you know, on, on a serious note, things really have turned around for Oregon State on the football recruiting front. It, it was only a few weeks ago that two of the top recruits in the entire state of Oregon, Jesuits Andy Alfieri and Lake Oswego's Casey Filkins, committed to Cal over offers from the Beavers, among several other schools. And I felt like losing Filkins and Alfieri to a conference rival well, it was pretty disastrous for an Oregon State program looking to get back on track after, you know, five straight down seasons. And since that day, thing, things have really turned around for the Beavers on the recruiting front. Smith secured three more commitments just last week in prep defensive end Shane Caddy, prep tight end Tommy Spencer, and junior college defensive end Alex Lemon, who is the top-rated JUCO defensive end in the entire country, according to 247. The Beavers have now picked up 10 new commitments, 10, since Alfieri and Filkins chose Cal. And, and unlike in years past, the majority of these guys hold multiple Power 5 offers, and some project to be instant contributors in the Pac-12. I mean, look, we, we all know that Oregon State football is not going to be an overnight turnaround. The Beavers have won just three total games the past two years, which to me makes this recent run of recruiting success for Smith all the more impressive. But landing a few good recruits here and there is not going to be enough. Oregon State is needs to pile up a few of these good classes in a row. And it looks like Smith and staff might be starting to do that here with what they've got so far. I mean, just looking at, at class rankings, the Beavers do sit at 8th in the Pac-12 and are 64th nationally, according to 247, which, to be honest, I, I find a little surprising. I, I'm definitely not going, to, not going to sit here and pretend to be a recruiting expert, but on paper, to me, this class is shaping up to be a, a lot better than that. You know, If the Beavers can land a couple four-star cornerstone-type prospects to, to go along with this group... I could see this class, you know, rising pretty substantially in the rankings with with, a, with an opportunity to be, you know, very, very special. So my advice to all the Oregon State football fans out there would be just to enjoy this current recruiting success and not focus too much on the national rankings and recruit rankings and things like that. Because, again, several of these guys were coveted by other programs, by other Power 5 major programs. And to me, I think that is a better gauge than just looking at the stars anyway. As always, thanks again, everyone, for listening to the Beaver Buzz podcast, part of the ThatCast podcast network. I'll probably tape a couple shows in July, but no promises on that. There's obviously not a whole lot going on in July, and many people will be on vacation, including myself. <laughs> I, I will definitely uh, tweet something out um, when and if I do plan on recording another show uh, next month. But until then, have a terrific rest of your week, everybody. And please, uh, please don't catch anything on fire during the 4th of July holiday with all those fireworks. I know I always try to make sure I don't accidentally set off a Roman candle or something into a tree. We certainly don't need any extra fire danger out there. So have a fun and safe 4th of July, everyone. And until next time, this is Bob Lundeberg signing off for the Beaver Buzz podcast. Discover the growing lineup of ThatCast Network podcasts and videocasts at ThatCast.com.